Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely role players, where theatrical people play role playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, and I'm your compare for this main house production. Here on Merely Role Players, we improvise stories to entertain you and ourselves a little bit. And we use role playing games to keep the story going places even we can't see coming. Because as theatrical people, we're all about maximising the drama. This episode is part of our current main house production, Vigil the Great Fire. To tell this story, we're playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat. So please take your seats in the main house. Tonight's production is about to begin. Vigil, a Merely Role Player's main house production. The Great Fire, Act 5 of 5. I'm Ellie and I play Percy Byron, the Exile, a Victorian monster hunter and half-sister to Ada Lovelace. Percy tried to time travel to 1666 to stop the summoning of an apocalyptic demon, but something went wrong and she landed here in the present day. I'm Dave and I play Mick the Mundane. Mick is Sheridan's favourite builder, but his life has been getting weirder since he dug too deep and hit a ley line. I'm Strat and I play Briar the Monstrous. Briar is a shape-shifting fey guardian of the Rosebriar Forest. They take their job very seriously, but can get a little distracted if there's mischief to be made. My name's Chris McLennan and I'm playing Ed Kincaid, the professional. He's a disgraced MI5 agent who's been kicked down to a basement to investigate reports of ghosts and little green men and other things that definitely don't exist. He just wants to file his report and go home. Miss Byron, I hope you come in friendship having considered my offer. I was not always this. I would undo it all. Percy thinks it might be Ada. What would be the cost? The life you have lived since the experiment. So let's undo it. There's a lot of water around at the moment because of all the flludding. Is there a way we can bring a body of water to where we're meeting? Suck it all down, ley line, last it up. Mick seems to have some way of linking directly to that. A boiling lady is being drawn towards you both. <laughs> the two of you are pulled under the surface of the mud and Beryl explodes. You would have both been caught in it. It would probably have blown you both out of the muck and disrupted the ritual Mm. impressively. But it's too late for Beryl, but she doesn't disrupt the magic. As the two of you are pulled down, and it does feel like being sort of underground and like squeezing through earth and a tunnel, but it's not claustrophobic, if that makes sense. It is almost like sort of going through a very tight water slide. 
So like the movement is easy and mm. smooth and flowing and kind of feels natural rather than being kind of squashed or crushed. Briar, you can sort of feel the light and the power of the ley line all around you. And if you would like, if either of you would like to try and get more of a sense of the truth of this, like being inside a ley line <laughs> would be the place to do it. I think we should investigate a mystery, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I think while we're here, still like it's a waterside, eyes closed, going. <laughs> so the last thing I hear in the video is, Aah! and then it's a screech as it cuts off because you're in a ley line. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're not precisely underground. Um, it's sort of underground in the way that Fairyland is under the hill, quote mm. unquote. Like it's a liminal kind of like not, a plane. In, yeah, not exactly a physical space. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's going to be all on you if, uh, if you've got your eyes open. <laughs> sure. I will investigate a mystery. Yeah, roll plus sharp. I will roll plus sharp. Oh, excellent. Ooh. That's a ten. Two questions. How exciting. There's How is this phenomenon doing this? But I yep. would like to pivot it towards the how is it connecting mm-hmm. with Mick. Okay. How is this phenomenon doing this? You are being carried on this flow through this ley line and that starts to make connections in your mind with old legends and also with just you are a a being of nature and you know a lot about kind of different kinds of animal bodies and anatomy and forms Mm. and things from from your ability to transform the legends around ley lines and the sort of understanding around ley lines among people like witches and sorcerers is just that they are like the way that the power runs, the way that the magical power runs through the country. But with your connection, Briar, to living things, life, vitality, you make this connection. You're travelling through a vein. The ley lines are the veins of immense beings. And you connect this in your mind to legends from before you were even born of how this land was built and the phrase that comes to mind is England was built on the backs of giants this is usually thought to mean that like giants were the labour involved in sort of building the foundations of England but mm. what if it was literal and there are literal buried giants under the land and ley lines are their veins. And Mick has made a connection with the giant under Sheridan. It likes him. He is very charming. He is very charming. Second question. (laughs) (laughs) How charming? (laughs) Uh, It's not really on that. So what Mm -hmm. I want to know is following the Mick is becoming... Briar's science project. <laughs> How can that connection be strengthened? Mm. What you're doing right now is going to do it. Mick made this connection in the first place just by like digging down and making contact with a ley line. Mm-hmm. That was enough to let him tap them. Now, actually, like this acceptance that he's achieved of allowing you to kind of travel through them is already strengthening that connection. It's very intimate. Could I attempt to use magic to increase that even more? 
I want to see what happens when a mortal gets giant powers. That seems like a fun thing <laughs> to, to do. Sure, go ahead. Cool. Use magic plus weird. Uh, that's uh, 13. 13. <laughs> uh, you do it and there is no side effects. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do you do? The effect um, that I was going for was communicate with something <laughs> that you do not share a language with because I want to talk to the giant. Yeah. So... Briar will find a way of kind of just slowing down and um, will knock on uh, Mick's helmet again. It's like Mick away. going down the flume feet first on his back and Briar just on his chest. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just having a look about. And I guess this all happens telepathically. <laughs> yeah, you're in a weird Because we're in a weird space. way. But Mick, you hear Briar's voice. Uh, Sheridan Giant, this is Mick. Mick, meet Sheridan Giant. I think you two are going to get along famously. <laughs> the reply is so slow and dreamlike. As you make this connection, as you speak to the giant using Mick as a conduit, it's here. It's alive, but it's not awake, and it's experiencing you as a dream. Welcome, pleasant dream. I am a pleasant dream. <laughs> <laughs> so dreamy. You're just whispering that to yourself it's when like, you've yes, I've that. done it, I'm so nice. <laughs> I dream of walking. Um, lying down so comfortably. Isn't that right, mate? I love lying down. I'm doing it right now. Percy. Hello. And Kincaid. Uh, I think Percy can sense that there's a gun pointed at her. It's quite far away. Yeah, but Percy's like been trained since birth to, to be in battle so has developed quite a attuned sense to it and also she knows that you can hear what's happening so i think there's like a sort of sudden realization that percy's decision may not be championed by her <laughs> colleagues and friends here but percy's been thinking about time travel quite a lot as well and has a potentially ropey theory. Ooh, <laughs> the best we, sort of theory. We love a ropey theory. I mean, I was going to say it can't be ropier than my theory, <laughs> but then I realised that like only one of us has fucked up a major time travel incident before. <laughs> so you don't have the smarts to. <laughs> <laughs> um, Percy's also been watching all of the Marvel and Avengers back catalogue. <laughs> Seen Primer 17 times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and has uh, dabbled in readings around, obviously, up-to-date research in these things. And I'm sure Ada will have mm-hmm. done as well. Set a lot of books on fire by accident, <laughs> I assume. And says, raising her voice so that she knows both Ada and Kincaid will be able to hear, what if we don't have to destroy this timeline in order to return to ours? What if by us travelling back now to the exact moment where it all went wrong with our initial journey, you can slip back into your body as your spirit left it last time and I can take my place 
as I leave. And that way we create a new timeline for ourselves where we're both there and we have the knowledge to fight Trevor if he's there in any form. And this timeline remains intact. All that happens is we're leaving it. A strong theory. One definitely worth testing. Though I fear if your priority is the intactness of this timeline, if we are to travel back, then it must be you and I, my spirit. We must leave Trevor here. And he may cause untold destruction to this timeline that we leave. It, it, it will still exist and he will still be left there, presumably enraged. Yes, I'm, I'm getting from him that he would be enraged <laughs> by the centuries of, of suppression that I have subjected him to. Well, we've got a plan for dealing with Trevor and I've got an extra bit of plan up my sleeve, which I haven't yet spoken to anyone else about. So maybe that would be fine. And, and, and anyway, even if even if that is the case, they're not going to be any worse off than they would be if you stayed here and they killed you. Only in that Trevor will be free of my tempering influence. But yes, if you believe that you have a plan that is equal to the task, then perhaps this could work. I, I too have read some of the, uh, the many worlds theory. And the mathematics seem sound. Good enough for me, let's do it. Did you bring the the catalyst? Of course I did. She whips off her backpack, <laughs> pulls out the catalyst. The, uh, the, the, weird, the weird rod. The stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stick. Yeah. The stick of mixed weird stick. plastic things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, round here we call it mixed stick, actually. <laughs> don't, don't say it too fast. <laughs> Percy, I, I do not deserve the speed with which you have come around to and understood this situation. I thank you. Yeah, shut up. You can thank me later when it works. Let's just do it. You are the engineer. I will take your lead. Okay, well, firstly, don't touch anything. (laughs) So Percy starts fitting the catalyst where she can clearly see it. It goes. There's not really any testing they can do other than actually trying it. And she just shouts over her shoulder. Is that good enough for you, Kincaid? Undecided. <laughs> I heard you take the safety off. Can you please put it back on? Guns don't really have those. That's just films. <laughs> okay. Percy doesn't understand the modern world. <laughs> Only through films and TV. <laughs> I worried at one point that I might have to infuse you with flame to get your help to do this, but... Uh, I much prefer you working on the machine of your own free will. Stop saying things that's making me question my choice, please, Ada. That's good advice, Ada! (laughs) Several hundred years is a long time. You will find me changed. Is your current plan to wait for the water to spurt out, then jump in and then leave? (laughs) It sounds like, yeah, the the idea is to pretty much, or or like almost the other way around, like... Trigger the time machine, separate Ada from the demon, yeah. and then kind of Spray instantaneously the, <laughs> the spraying plan. And it, it looks like, in terms of Percy's interiority at this point, that there is a kind of a conflict between the order-trained suspicion of anything like supernatural, demonic, and trust and belief in the sister that you love. Yeah, and 
I've been desperate to get back to try and fix things. But I want to hurry up and get this done because the longer it takes, the more my mind might change and I might start questioning things and I want to just do it. You work on the machine? Mm Mm-hmm. Directed by Ada. Ada standing a little way away because even just to be near her hurts. Mm -hmm. She's blazing almost uncontrollably. She tells you a little more as you as you work about the containment suit that she had her uh, her minions fashion to keep Trevor's flame more contained and focused so that she wouldn't blaze out of control. Um, and as she says that, you can see that the breastplate braces and greaves. Like, there is technology woven into them. They're kind of like steampunk things. It's hard to see because they're glowing so white hot. But, you know, this is one of the ways that she has kept herself Try to limit the destruction that she's had over all this time. It takes a little while, it takes some time, but as we know, the uh, the water build-up takes some hours. Completing the machine takes some hours. If anybody were hovering over Sheridan at this point, they would see all of the flooded areas slowly but noticeably draining just into the ground, seemingly impossibly, and all of those areas becoming dry and, in fact, perhaps even more lush than they were before. The back garden that Mick was working on becomes green and dry again. Sheridan Green goes back down to being a pond rather than a bog. (laughs) Areas of the Rosebriar Forest that had become swampland change back once again to simple churned mud as Mick and Briar speed through the ley lines (laughs) Getting ready to undo yeah. all of the yeah. work <laughs> in one fell swoop. Experiencing ambiently around them the dreams of a sleeping giant and the time machine comes together. What is the kind of last sort of thing to slot in that like lets Percy know like, okay, it's ready now? It's it's uh Mixed it. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so once everything else is up and running, it, it sort of slots in almost like a fuse. Mm. That's um, what I've heard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Renko says. Um, but it, as that happens, the whole thing sort of goes... Mm. Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and lights up. And you have this like nostalgic deja vu feeling of... The sound and the kind of um, crackle in the air, the strange metallic taste is exactly the same, even down to the kind of the heat, because last time the demon was approaching Mm. and it is present here again this time. Kincaid, are you still in the tree line or have you approached at this point? I have not approached. (laughs) I have not moved that gun. And what's going through your mind? I think so. I've just been waiting for things that Ada says, really, mm-hmm. and trying to decide if it's a load of horseshit or not. Mm-hmm. But nothing has really jumped out that is any stronger than <laughs> I've seen some science fiction films. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you're seeing Percy's reactions and, like, nothing she's... She looks perturbed and, like, tense and not exactly happy, but the reactions that she's having to the conversation are not suspicious. Is it... Ready? Yes, it's time.
All right, lovies. It's me, Matt, your compere. While the players get ready for their next scene, why don't you and I take a look through the programme? And first, an apology. I've been telling you some fibs in these intervals over the course of the Great Fire. You'll recall that I've talked to you a few times about our guest appearance on the What Am I Rolling Twitch stream YouTube channel and podcast, where Natalie Winter, Strat and Helen joined the host Fiona for a game of The Between, GM'd by the game's designer Jason Cordova. A couple of times I've teased the ending of that series on the What Am I Rolling podcast, slightly prematurely as it turns out. On Twitch that game was split over two sessions, but on the podcast it was split up into four episodes. So if you took my erroneous advice and only listened to parts one and two of The Between on the What Am I Rolling podcast... There are two more episodes waiting for you to go and listen to, and I promise it actually really definitely is finished now. Speaking of things that are finished, our series over on our Instagram Reels, The Feed, where myself, Alex Pankhurst, and various guests from other actual play podcasts around the podosphere were playing Unreal, the weird Big Brother video journaling game by Josh Fox from Black Armada Games. That series is now over as well. So if you want to head to at Merely Roleplayers on Instagram and check out the highlights on our profile page, you'll find links there to all of the diary room videos and other sinister updates from the strange Big Brother house. Watch all those videos back and see all the teases in those early videos for how things were going to go near the end. Also, in terms of things ending and closing, if you're listening to this on release day, you have very little time left if you haven't already to nominate for the Crit Awards. That's the Creator Recognition in Tabletop Roleplaying Awards. There are categories there for role-playing games, for game designers, and also for actual play podcasts and streams like what we do here. If you're not sure what we've done that's eligible for the awards, there's a link in the program notes to a post on our Tumblr that tells you everything you need to know. And of course, don't feel obliged to nominate us if you think that there are people that are better than us in any of those categories. All I ask is do nominate something Spread that net nice and wide so that all the stuff that all of us love is represented in the final shortlists when those come out later in the year. From endings to beginnings, coming up next on Merely Roleplayers. This is, as I'm sure you're aware, the final, fifth and final act of The Great Fire. Next week, as usual, we'll have a backstage post-show discussion of this production where we'll do the Monster of the Week post-mystery admin, everyone will gain some XP, and we'll talk about all the many revelations and changes to the world that have come about as a result of this story. And then the week after that, we're beginning a studio production called The Queen's Dead. In The Queen's Dead, I will be joined 
by Fiona Howitt from What Am I Rolling, previously mentioned, and also Naomi Clark, writer of the podcast The Secret of St. Kilda and regular cast member on Who Lives, Who Dice. We'll be playing a pre-release preview version of Court of the Lich Queen by Ursa Dice. It's a GM-less game where we play the representatives of dread, undead, evil realms, trying to work together and also backstab each other in the final year before the prophesied coming of the dawn that will end the reign of death. It's politicky, it's backstabby, it's catty, it's silly, but also has a lot of dread atmosphere that I really enjoy, and I think you're going to enjoy it too. Before I let you go, I want to try something a little bit different. Because this is the end of a production, traditionally, at the end of a theatrical production that uh, the audience enjoyed, they might throw roses up on the stage for the performers to show their appreciation. So when you get to the end of this interval, when you get to the end of this uh, episode, if you've enjoyed Vigil the Great Fire at all, Find us on one of our socials, find us on Instagram at Merely Roleplayers, or on Twitter at Merely Roleplay, or on Tumblr at Merely Roleplayers, and throw us a rose emoji. Just find one of our posts and uh, comment or reply, just with a little rose emoji, just to let us know that you finished the series and you enjoyed it. Finally, here at the back of the programme, here's an ad little bit different this time, we're not promoting another podcast, but instead a portal through which you can discover many podcasts. It's a newsletter you can subscribe to. I'm subscribed. I read it every week. We've also advertised in it, especially uh, a couple of years ago when we were doing a stage show that we needed to get the word out about. It's the Fiction Podcast Weekly, and here they are to tell you more about it. If you enjoy audio drama and fiction podcasts, sign up for the Fiction Podcast Weekly. It's an email newsletter with the latest news, events, creative opportunities, job listings, behind-the-scenes production resources, podcast milestones, debuts, and finales. Plus, it's free. Sign up now at thepodcasthost.com slash fictionpodcastweekly. Now, please return to your seats in the main house for the final conclusion of Vigil, The Great Fire. We must recreate the circumstances, your, yourself inside, so that your body will be transported back at exactly the moment that it left. Mm-hmm. Myself outside, so that once again my spirit will be thrown, but the new catalyst corrects the fault that sent the wave in two directions. This should focus us, project us both to the same time. I'm not sure I'm ready. Are you? Never ready. Let's go. You're not about to be deleted from existence, so I don't really want to hear it. We might be, Kincaid, but... I've not got the gun trained yet. <laughs> It's probably going to be fine.
It better be. Otherwise, my other self, when he finally comes around, is going to hunt you down. Okay, well, presuming this does go well, please pass on my kind regards to everybody because I won't be seeing you again. And Percy actually looks quite sad. Percy goes and stands in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's like a, an elevator style gate that you have to ch- 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 yeah, across. Yes, very good. It. Yeah, pulls the chugga chug 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 across. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name for those, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, I cannot operate the control panel. No, because hot. Kincaid. <laughs> That's my name. You can push a button, right? I come out from the tree line. Mm-hmm. I've got the radio on because I need to be able to hope if these guys can hear we don't know because <laughs> presumably they're about to move again mm-hmm. I've, um, I've preset everything all you need to do is press a single button I have changed the configuration so that the the shielding that allowed the particles through that separated me from my body no longer point are no longer radiating all around they are at a specific point where I will stand at the control panel you will be safe and in fact, you see that like a, a bundle of cables leads off to but almost point. behind one of the other kilns so that there's something between you and the time machine. This is as safe as it gets. If we don't do this, it's going to only worse things can happen. Ah, for you. <laughs> and I got to get ready to hit the button. Thank you. Kincaid hits the button and it's it, it's sort of bright. Is the main thing for King, like from from his perspective, he sees Percy standing in the middle, clutching her amulet, and a huge ball of light emanating from the amulet itself. That's like looking at the sun. So presumably, he looks away. Uh, yeah, <laughs> any warning before the button no, would have no been warning. excellent. <laughs> so Kincaid, his eyes burn from the socket. Just wait. I mean, I presume it makes hellish noise as well. Mm-hmm. Like, to hell with this! And just runs back towards the wood. <laughs> cool guys don't look at explosions. <laughs> but often, you know, they know the explosion's going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, I reckon it's, the, I don't, it's, it's not like an explosion. It's like a, it's like a blinding flash of light, almost like a photo being taken or like glare or lens flare mm-hmm. that then just sort of zips back into nothingness. I feel like I would like a roll. Roll plus weird. Okay. And take a plus one from Ada's help. Great. Okay. Uh, that is 11. So, Kincaid, you run away from the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. From the bravely bl- away. <laughs> yeah. You run bravely away from the blinding light of the uh, amulet and the time machine. Very JJ uh, Overstars. Big bright light, lots yeah. of lens flare, and it just cuts entirely to black. And then a few seconds later, it just cuts to running. <laughs> yeah, just, just like, heavy breath just initially. Yeah. <laughs> you running into the woods? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, um, yeah. Where, where the maximum potential for fire is. I haven't got this <laughs> It's just where my stuff is. Yeah. And find yourself continuing to run away, continuing to exist, which is a great start. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I stopped running for quite a while. Well, because <laughs> I know there's yeah. going to be a lot of water yeah. there. <laughs> Behind you, you hear, Oh, that's a relief. <laughs> oh, gotta get this shit off. And you hear a crack of metal as the containment suit 
is broken and discarded, followed by the woof of uh, an expanding fire as Trevor, the demon of flame, rises to the height of a three-story building, towering over the trees and the charcoal pits. Oh, he's a big boy. Right. (laughs) Time to get to work, finally. Briar and Mick. Mm Mm-hmm. You have been racing through this vein for what feels like hours as the water has drained into the ley line system from uh, the Sheridan floods. Briar, as the one kind of in control of the magical side of this ritual, mm-hmm. you feel that the system is full and the water needs to go somewhere. Uh, Operation Spit Take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So phase two. Well, phase two. <laughs> It's going to have to change a bit because we weren't expecting to be there. Like, I like the idea that the, the demon is suddenly there and then suddenly a mortal and a giant pufferfish ball. A pufferfish, yeah. <laughs> well, seemingly a bouncy ball comes <laughs> shooting out of the ground yeah. and sort of like land. Are you being shot out on top of the geezer? No. Or is the geezer hasn't oh, come out yet? Go, just the two, of, come just the the two, two of, of you are injected <laughs> like, like a cork from a bottle. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Out of the ground. You fly up completely weightless to eye level with this demon of roaring flame. <laughs> it's like, because he's now bigger and like less focused by the containment suit, it's mm. more of like a, a, a deep orangey red flame rather than the kind of white hotness it mm. was before. And there is a suggestion of eyes, and there is a suggestion that they cross to look at the two of you. It was like that the last time you saw this thing, it was slightly smaller than Percy. (laughs) And you dangle there for a moment and then fall. Briar will roll to mix feet. I look at him, and now the thing is, like, the cheeks are all puffed out. You're both covered in mud. Covered in mud. Half of which is baked oh, by course, proximity yeah. to Trevor. Yeah, Brian, like they've got a, a mouth of water, looks Mick dead in the eye and just goes, Freeze me! That's really what I was hoping you were getting, yeah. Mick will lift up the ball, point it towards the fire, and squeeze as hard as he can. Roll plus tough. <laughs> That is um, 12. Wow. <laughs> what options would you like from the kick some ass list? I think you get two on a 10 plus. Okay, well, I will take less harm and it puts Trevor into the position we need him to be in. Could the place that we now get them be that we squeeze enough water to create a new lake? Yeah. The- Trevor is now in. Absolutely. I was thinking we may just be we about to create the Sheridan wetlands. Sheridan, yeah, there's now a new. There are so there are there are the charcoal pits yeah. around, which, which are all a, now full of water. Which would be a good place to fill yeah. with water. Mm-hmm. You squeeze this inflated goblin, <laughs> and an absolutely biblical amount of water <laughs> shoots out of his mouth. <laughs> in. Um, inc- like a wide cone like a sprinkler <laughs> it's not a jet it's absolutely covering this entire area uh, spraying out in all directions and at first there's just a ton of steam and then the fire that is Trevor just 
is completely doused. The entire area, every charcoal pit is filled with water. The time machine is ruined. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All oh, the, co- well. the complex yeah. electronics <laughs> drowned. Briar, you can see clearly with your bay sight, and Mick, you can get a sense of this as well. Trevor has been reduced to a being of pure spirit without any flame to him and has splooshed into one of the now uh, waterlogged charcoal pits. Still mobile, but taken completely by surprise and now in the most vulnerable state you're going to get him in. Put him in the special cage. (laughs) Or just shoot him. Do something (laughs) (laughs) Percy left you with some weaponry. And I think for the purposes of if you're going to use it, maybe gave you a small vial of it each and put it in your pockets earlier. But basically one of the things in the town that um, was here in Percy's time and no one now knew where it is anymore is called the Weeping Well. And the water of that well is particularly potent for banishing and for summoning. But that's what Percy had been working on, was uh, making that potent enough that if we could get close enough to Mm -hmm. the fire demon... That it they, that would make a really good way to hurt it because it will she's spelled it so that it will banish it the spirit of it cool. as well as it being water. You all have one of these. I'm very far away and I'm <laughs> getting further and further away. <laughs> in one second. Still running. <laughs> yeah, Kincaid, you've heard. I the... think when it stops being on fire yeah. behind me, I maybe start <laughs> to slow yeah, down. It's no longer on fire. You've heard the spray of water. I still think I've gone quite far. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> You're back at the Morris Minor. <laughs> I'm on the other side of the woods. Like, right. Once again, Kincaid like doesn't see the most. <laughs> Kincaid gets out the other side of the woods, like hands and knees, just <sighs> reach in the pocket, and finds this little thing of water, and goes <sighs> <laughs> unscrews the chop and just drinks it. <sighs> Kincaid maybe doesn't notice this in the moment, but the burn on his arm entirely heals up. I think he's just refreshed, feels refreshed. <laughs> Never thirsty again. Just <laughs> walks off. <laughs> well, what? looks like it's just you and me, giant boy. <laughs> right, let's make him wet. <laughs> <laughs> I love how, like, Percy has had this really sort of, like, deep emotional sort of revelation, and Brian Mick have basically been to a water park. Yeah. <laughs> You're, like, relief in this episode. <laughs> I nearly killed another player character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, Briar. Yes. Is there a way that you could introduce being a nuisance to this situation? Oh, no. <laughs> Probably. Um, You're at the point where, like, all that needs to happen is you need to administer the coup de grace. Yeah. Right. That but, means... but why just do that? <laughs> yeah. That means, you know, you're safe now. Mm-hmm. There's only one thing that needs doing now, so you might as well have a bit of fun with it. <laughs> Don't worry. I know how we should do this. And it's Briar's turn to plunge their hands into uh, the soil. And as one of their arms come up, it's holding a giant sword. And for the first time, I guess, Mix sees Briar turn into their 12-foot-tall, kind of like stone, rocky, golem guardian form. And with Mick holding the vial, Briar picks up Mick like Mick is holding the vial <laughs> and shouts, Cut on ball! <laughs> and just lobs Mick. <laughs> At the flame demon. I did not consent to this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so and Mick tucks into a wall midair. 
Still in school, scuba gear. <laughs> Still in full scuba gear. <laughs> I think I'm going to need a no limits roll to like survive, not survive, <laughs> oh, but like <laughs> not have whole awful. Yeah, like, to yeah. tough this out. Yeah, yeah, that uh, makes sense. Okay, into water. Okay. So roll plus weird. Eight minus one is seven. Okay. Uh, do you take one harm or do you get pl- minus one forward? I'll take a harm. <laughs> it makes sense that I'd be <laughs> surprised and hurt by this. Mick's signature move in playtime <laughs> was going through glass windows sledgehammer first. So I'm going vile right. <laughs> Mick flies through the air, curled into a ball, vile first. As this like invi- basically invisible, humanoid invisible heat haze rises out of the pool. Oh, nobody wants me to get the work done. <laughs> and then you impact. <laughs> Do I go just like straight through it? Absolutely. <laughs> you go straight through it, but the vial right. breaks yeah. on um, him as if he's mm-hmm. solid. So you sploosh, you send up a huge spume of water as you land in the pool behind him. And uh, when you turn around and Briar sees the liquid from the vial spreading throughout his invisible heat haze form, as the water of the weeping well begins the process of banishing him, here's the form that the banishment takes. Across the surface of this new wetland, spraying up water on both sides, comes the ghost train. The ghost train looks at all times like it is at night being lit by yellow sodium streetlights. It is a black cast iron steam engine dragging a set of carriages that stretch off infinitely into the distance. There's no rails, it's just running on the surface of the water and it screams to a stop. The doors of the engine open and Thomas Butterworth, in a conductor's uniform, steps down, walking on the surface of the water, and just hups Trevor up over <laughs> his shoulder and chucks him into a carriage. <laughs> All right, gents? Yeah? <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Hi, Tom. All right, yourselves? Thanks. It's all right. That's what the ghost train does. Schedule stop, innit? Absolutely. We totally do that. Back to uh, Inferno with this one, is it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Right, you are. Oh, yeah, that's our next stop. (laughs) Wonderful. And the train speeds off again at mind-bending speed, and the infinite train of carriages fades away. Done. You're right, mate. I'm all right. Where's Where's Percy and Kincaid gone? This This is muffled, (laughs) and then you can pull the scuba mask (laughs) off. Prior having gone back to normal puka, so I, I guess just chin above water right now. <laughs> well, I don't know. I imagine Kincaid won't know about this tomorrow. <laughs> Kincaid just comes over the hill to see <laughs> this, this water yeah. and a train just hurtling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah. Nah. I don't nah. know about Percy. Briar will remain in garden form. <laughs> I'm Trevor! <laughs> Your water has only made me rock. I am solid fire. Behold my glory, mortals. You shall burn in the pits of hell! I know it's you, Frog Boy. <laughs> no, I'm Trevor! <laughs> 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 
demon! Oh, Just suddenly, poop, and the, uh, an otter is <laughs> lying on its back. Immediately. <laughs> picks up a stone, <laughs> puts it on her chest, <laughs> swims away. <laughs> you want to have fun? I think we all need to know what happened to Percy. Yes. Well, I think the main thing to know is that it worked. And so and it hasn't altered. The timeline that we know hasn't been altered. <laughs> So it's not like you could look it up in the history books and, oh, Ada Lovelace actually lived until much later date and there's documents about Percy. Like, none of that's happened. They're existing in a separate stream of time in which I assume a lot of um, technological advancements may have happened a lot sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because they have kind of free reign to develop as they want to. They don't need to worry about damaging a future. They've nailed time travel. Yeah. And I don't think they ever do it ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, this world gets Ada Lovelace's coding expertise for a lot longer Mm because she does not get her spirit separated and die. Yeah. And they continue much as you would expect, I guess, with, you know, fighting monsters and continuing the order and um, moving feminism along much faster than it did in our world. (laughs) Why aren't we moving the game to this timeline? (laughs) (laughs) It would change a lot of things, I think. (laughs) I don't want to rewrite past episodes. I think on some levels, you know, Percy had been working on this on her own in the background, you know, working out a way to banish the fire demon, working on time travel, but she just didn't get very far without Ada's calculations. Um, and she'd prepared by writing goodbye letters and a will, which is probably never going to be executed because they can't prove that she died. <laughs> but it means that the friends that she's leaving behind don't have just a question mark. They can, you know, they go to her cottage and, and find goodbye letters for them all. She liked to pretend not to have feelings, but she did. <laughs> are all of them heartfelt or are any of them a bit cutting? Oh, I mean, the one to Graham is nothing but cutting quips. (laughs) Although she does direct him to uh, her bins, where she's been cultivating a collection of half-eaten Subway sandwiches for quite some time. Um, So he's he's more than pleased. And so that is the end, but in a lot of other ways, the beginning. Yes. That's the story of Persephone Byron. It is. We've enjoyed a year of her life and three very exciting adventures. I think all that remains is to end that with a round of applause. Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat Productions. You can find Monster of the Week at genericgames.co.nz. Merely Role Players is a Foggy Outline production, 
in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on.